This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on the Twitters. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at obsessiveviewer.com and find more of our podcasting at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. And before we begin, we have a couple of announcements real quick. Of course, as always, this uh, episode of the podcast is sponsored by Horror Movie Yearbook, which you can find at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. It is a great podcast that takes uh, several different uh, horror movies from a specific year and reviews and contextualizes them and con- uh, compares them against the uh, pop culture and current events of the year of release. Um, each year they do a year in review episode where they talk about the horror movies of the year. Uh, so they just recently did their, um, they call it the class of 2017, which just basically, basically a breakdown of the top horror movies of 2017. So go ahead and check that at HM yearbook, uh, on Twitter and at horrormovieyearbook.com. And thank you to horror movie yearbook and the Midwest podcast network for, uh, sponsoring this week's episode. And then the other piece of news is tiny. Did you listen to Mike's new song? No, I haven't listened to it. I uh, literally have not had a chance. Interesting, interesting. Well, I don't mean to put you on blast here, but you are. Um, I'd say <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so yeah, so our friend and co-host who's on sabbatical, Mike White, he uh, and his band, as good as it gets, just released their first single from a new uh, album that they're working on. That's going to be released in March. Um, you can find uh, links to all that in the show notes. I might play like a little clip at the end of this episode. I'm not sure yet. But, uh, but yeah, super proud of him. Like, I posted on the Facebook page that, like, I've, I personally have known Mike for about 13 years now. And, like, I'm never not excited when he releases new music because <laughs> he is a very talented musician. And I'm really, uh, excited to see him do more musical things. He is talented. He is. Oh, yes. Um, so yeah, so check that out. Um, they have a Bandcamp page. It's a as good as it gets is the name of the band, and yeah, you can find links in the show notes. So tiny, uh, how's it going? Soy bueno, señor. That's sort of racist. Um, no, I don't think that's. I'm that celebrating racist. Hispanic culture. Yeah, there you go. By using their language. Nice. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so we just finished recording an episode of Tower Junkies, which is our other podcast. And, uh, and yeah, I, I'm going to say the same thing that I said on that one, but you, you did some turn into 31. I did. I done turn nice. 31. Nice. And, uh, and 31. you did what now? 31. Oh God. It's 30. I think that's right. Good job. I don't even know. Wow. Wow. It's been a while that's, since high school Spanish. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I'm trying to branch out our demographics. Oh, that's, that's good. That's yeah. good. I'm always, I'm always, always up for getting more listeners. Word. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I have something to give you. Oh. Yeah. You got me a birthday present? I did. I love the wrapping. Oh, yeah. It's just a Target bag. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'm not sure you've ever, yeah, you give me a gift that wasn't just in a, 
store bag before. I, yeah, but and this I have is kind of your funny, mo. <laughs> it is, and I have a funny story about that too. But I'll I'll talk about that after you after you okay. open it and stuff. Yeah. It's a DVD or Blu-ray. Oh, it's Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It is nice. Yes, thank you. Which is funny for a couple of reasons. One, um, I sent you a message the other day saying. Please don't buy or rent Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> you did. So I feel like maybe that might have uh, lessened the surprise a little bit. Uh, well, I thought you bought it and were going to let me borrow it. <laughs> oh, well, it's funny you should say that because I did buy it. Okay. And uh, I actually rewatched it last night and it's... Nice. Man, that movie's so good. I can't wait to um, see it. Yeah, and it's funny because like, it is classic Matt Hurt that... Uh, me giving a gift to someone is basically me forcing them to watch my number one movie of the year. Yeah, that's, um, that's so also your MO. I kind of made it about me. But anyway, <laughs> congrats on turning 31. Thank you. Living th- for 31 years. I have been alive for 31 um, years. Yeah, yeah, good job. Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, but honestly, I am very excited for you to watch this movie because it's, man, I think you're going to really love it. Just because, like, like, uh, okay, yeah. So, so the backstory. I was originally going to surprise you and order it on Amazon and have it just shipped to your to your house. Okay. And I actually put in the order and I paid for gift wrapping and stuff with a little <laughs> note on it. Like the note was going to say, "Tiny, I was listening to our year in review episode and um, just hearing you talk about how much you wanted to see or how much you wish you would have seen it or." Or anything, I was like, you definitely need to see this movie because you're going <laughs> to love it. Um, and then I was very proud of it because at the end of it, I put, happy bidet, um, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> and, nice. Um, but for some reason, Amazon was like, we're not going to ship it until January 22nd. Oh, that's weak. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, that's weird. You have Prime, right? Yeah, I do. And that's the thing. Like, I have cool. Prime. And then, um, so basically Monday... Uh, it came out on Tuesday. Monday was Martin Luther King Day. Tuesday was your birthday. I had Tuesday off from work to, to go and run errands in Avon. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to cancel these orders because I had also ordered mine as well, my copy. So I'm like, I'm going to be in Avon and out and about anyway. I'm just mm-hmm. going to go to Target and buy it for the same damn price. Nice. So that's why you don't get nice wrapping and stuff. No, but it's fine. On the other hand, I did get to watch my copy yesterday, so I'm nice. all happy about that. I'm hoping to get to this this yeah. weekend. Then. Nice. Well, I am looking forward to hearing what you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I did also uh, probably about a week or so ago. I did buy Blade Runner: The Final Cut. If you want to borrow that, ooh, I might need to do that. Nice. Okay. Because I think Paige wants to see this too, and she's never seen the original. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if she wants to see that or not. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I had I had ran into her, and then I was like, you know, I. I actually have Tiny's present in the car. Do you just want to give it to him? <laughs> she's like, no, if you guys are recording tomorrow, I'm like, okay. And nice. then she's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll see you later. Um, and she said something about your your present. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> <laughs> nice. she's like, oh, that's good. He hasn't seen it yet. I was like, I know. That's kind of why I got it for him. Aw. Yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, no problem. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that kind of brings us into our episode. Yes. Um, <clears throat> do you have anything for me? Like anything? Um, my thanks. Oh, good, good. Yes. I did. I do keep forgetting to tell you. Thank you for the Christmas card, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. Of course. I've got it hanging up on my fridge. It was all page. Yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, I'm in the picture. But... Right. I was just. I was gonna. I was gonna be thinking, like, <laughs> no, you're in the picture too. And there's a picture of me and you, and then yeah, there's pictures. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway. Um, uh. Yeah. And I did. I did thank her when I saw her last night. So okay. That's cool. Good. Anyway. Um. So yeah, so this week we're doing extended potpourri. Now, 
I am going to go ahead and say it. I am having a pretty killer January as far as movies watched nice. are con- is concerned. So I actually have a ton of stuff that I can bring up. And I have it separated into different sections. I, I had Tiny give me a list of his his things. So I think the order that I'm going to go in is I'm going to do two up front and then, well, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, do you mind if I get it kicked off? <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So I have two things up front. Um, one is going to be kind of brief. Um, <clears throat> so this week, I think, was the uh, oh, Television Critics Association um, panels and the TCAs or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of like TV like networks announce stuff, and it's where a lot of announcements happen. So something kind of interesting, I didn't read too much about it, but recently, within the last probably five days, um, Hulu had their had their stage time or whatever, and they announced, they were like, oh, hey, you know, the entire series of ER is going to be on Hulu right now. Nice. <laughs> and so now all 15 seasons, some like 330 episodes Crap. of ER are now available on, on Hulu. Wow. Yeah. So, um, for those who don't know, uh, for all of my stuff, I have, I have the synopsis. Um, ER was a show from the 1990s. Uh, 90, it ran from 94 to 2009, 15 seasons. It's the lives, loves and losses of the doctors and nurses of Chicago's County General Hospital. And I have watched like six episodes okay. of the first season. Nice. And two thi- well, a couple things about it. One is um, it's interesting because the actual aspect ratio, it's in, it's in like anamorphic widescreen. So, oh, okay. It's a little goofy. Yeah. Well, it's not – that's the weird thing because it's, it's like it fits it, – you know, it fits the TV screen and everything because it's widescreen, but it was shot in – uh, four to four, uh, four to three, I think, uh, like the kind of more square box thing. So mm-hmm. I think for the DVD sets, they had, they had enhanced it to be, be widescreen. Um, but you know, it doesn't look bad to me. Uh, it doesn't distract or anything. So the black bars are on the sides, not the top and bottom. No, they're not anywhere. It's oh, just, really? okay. yeah, it's just, huh. I mean, if you're watching, I mean, it would be on the top and bottom, but like a widescreen, it's just widescreen. Okay. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't detract from it or anything. It's, I mean, it looks good, but, um, mm-hmm couple of things about it though. So I started watching this while I was on a pseudo vacation for like uh like I had I had scheduled time off on Tuesday and I had Monday off for Martin Luther King Day, then I had Saturday and Sunday off as well, and then Friday I actually called in cuz I thought I was very concerned that I was going that I was getting strep throat mm. cuz I couldn't really talk and being in a call center can't really do anything if you can't talk. True. Um, but that cleared up in the afternoon after I slept all day. But <laughs> anyway, um, so I had like five days off and like having that much time off and then watching a show that is about people in their workplace in like the most stressful environment imaginable. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I felt kind of anxious. I was like, cause I was sitting there literally thinking like, how the fuck can anyone do this? Like, why does anyone, like, I don't understand the world. Like I can't understand what kind of mind and body it takes to do the things that like doctors and like in an emergency room or, you know, any, anyone in the medical profession. Mm -hmm. Surgeons. Yes. Like surgeons blow me away. Yeah. Oh yeah. You slice people up. Mm-hmm. For a living, that blows yep. me away. Yeah. It was funny because one of the first episodes, it might actually be the pilot episode, which ER is really great because it's uh, it's created by Michael Crichton, 
who I, I didn't read, I think it was based on a book, but he had written the original um, pilot as a movie. And so the movie, the, the pilot episode is actually like uh, an hour and a half long. It's like feature length. Hmm. Um, and he originally wrote it as a movie, and then Steven Spielberg was going to direct it. Wow. Yeah. But then they got, uh, you know, it's it turned into a TV show, and then Steven Spielberg ended up doing Jurassic Park instead. <laughs> That's funny. Which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a moment in the first episode or one of the first episodes where Dr. Green, uh, played by Anthony Edwards is, uh, he's approached to, uh, he's approached by, uh, someone, um, and he's offered a job at like a private practice and like the juxtaposition of seeing him like being interviewed for the guy, but for the position or like, he's basically appeasing his wife cause he's his, he doesn't want to leave or anything. I'm just like. Why wouldn't you like it's a quiet <laughs> office people aren't screaming yeah people aren't dying it's like I don't I don't understand that world but but yeah I'm I'm actually like on the flip side of that is that I work from home and part of my job is I just I talk on the phone all day mm-hmm. and if calls aren't coming in I have a little bit of downtime so what I do since I work from home is I have a little um uh bar stool that I have my laptop on and I'll just have like hulu playing in the background and like when a call comes in, I'll press pause and then take the call and everything. So throughout the day, I'll kind of watch like a movie or show eventually in its entirety, mm-hmm. but in snippets. And like, it's kind of funny because like the mental, um, it's, it's weird because it puts into context my job. <laughs> like, cause I'm <laughs> seeing like the dramatic depiction of people that are like literally life and death scenarios and everything. And then I'm like, I'm just, I'm just having people yell at me about life insurance. I'm like, <laughs> it's not that difficult. Yeah. So it's it's definitely kind of nice. It gave me a gave me a new lease on my my job at as uh, in a call center. I get that. Yeah, I've, uh, actually, I've actually watched a lot of ER. I, I was just gonna ask, like, yeah. what's your connection to ER? Because I I watched a little, like, it's ER giving our like we're both 31 now, huh? mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> and like it came out in the 90s, and like I feel like given our age. And the, uh, our age and, and, uh, the age of the show, ER is like one of those quintessential, like, parent shows. Like, yes. Our parents loved it. Yes. Um, yeah. And my parents especially loved it. My mom is a nurse. Oh, yeah. And so at the time, you know, she was working as a nurse. And so, like, she, it, she was very involved in it and she loved the accuracy of it because of her job and everything. Um, and then my dad just, you know, liked the characters and everything. Um, but yeah, I actually, I ended up watching like a lot of, I've seen a lot of ER. I haven't, I wouldn't nice. say I've seen a lot of episodes, but I remember like a lot of scenes and a lot of like dramatic moments from it, but I can't think of like major episodes or storylines or anything like that. But I, I have some really fond memories of, of, uh, of ER, I think in epi- I don't know why I know this or why I remember this, but an episode of ER is the first like uh, movie or TV show or book or anything that I remember like bringing me to tears. Oh, really? I, I was like, I was like probably eight or nine years old. Wow! And it, like, I think that there was like a father on the show and his daughter died. Oh. And it just like crushed me, and I don't know, I don't know why. I was like, I don't have a daughter, I don't know why <laughs> no. But I was just a kid, and I, for whatever, it was like so good that I, I like teared up. Interesting. Yeah. So wow, I might. Uh, 
man, I wish I had Hulu. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd watch some of it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I and honestly, I can, it, it, this kind of leads to an interesting conversation. Also, uh, for kind of posterity sake, I guess, um, I watched a bit of ER myself when I was a kid, and um, you know, I, it was never really like something that I latched onto or anything. There were pivotal moments in the series that um, uh, I do remember. Um, like there's a stabbing in one in one uh, season that involves two characters that uh, is kind of forever ingrained in my mind. Because I watched mm. it at a young age, and it, it was a very, very out of, um, out of the ordinary episode. I believe it might have been like a Halloween episode, like like took place on Halloween, and then two two major characters get, you know, stabbed, <laughs> and it's like I remember like that being like terrifying to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, that, and then one of the things that I'm also kind of. Uh, curious about or not curious about but interested in when watching it um is like okay yeah i like network shows network dramas you know i i'm not really too crazy about them or anything because i feel like that's they're kind of they had their heyday yeah they did the and time has passed yeah and er was definitely it the heyday of it mm-hmm. um an interesting kind of uh piece of trivia is that after the series premiere of er um, following that broadcast, ER aired. ER only ever aired its original episodes on Thursday night on NBC at 10 p.m. throughout its run. Like it never changed its schedule. Wow! And that's 15 years. Different time. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's amazing. And like just like reading that piece of trivia made, reminded me, like, man, I remember that. Like I remember Thursday night, like. NBC would have their comedy lineup, and then as soon as ten o'clock hit, it's like, oh shit, now we're getting serious. Yeah, and and like it just it's it's it was just interesting to to think of that. But um, a kind of other kind of tangential conversation to be had about this is that um, this kind of came out of nowhere, and I think it's interesting because uh, Hulu paid a lot of money for Seinfeld to have mm-hmm. the entirety of Seinfeld on Hulu. And then around that same time or a little bit before that, uh Netflix did the same thing for Friends. And so there's there was this kind of like bidding war for Seinfeld at the time that Hulu ended up getting. Mm-hmm. But now it's interesting cuz this was a couple years ago. And then now we have ER that's just I mean it's it's a it's a it's a massive property that is suddenly on Hulu and I feel like that kind of struggle isn't or that kind of uh it's interesting because i don't think netflix is concentrating at all on getting like the streaming rights to classic or 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 contemporary classic uh tv shows right um whereas hulu's kind of like doing that and i kind of feel like maybe i haven't read up on on it or anything but i kind of feel like hulu from hulu's perspective is like maybe they can't necessarily beat netflix with their original programming even though I mean, Handmaid's Tale was was really successful mm-hmm. and everything, but they can't. I mean, they don't have the the money and the resources to create as many original series. But I feel like maybe there's someone at Hulu who's like, maybe there's a void. Like we can we can get these these streaming services, and they're still kind of like working on that. Whereas Netflix is just going for the original series kind of thing. Anyway, did you have right. any comments on that? Or yeah, that's a thoughts. That's a good point. And, and I mean, first of all, I think it's good that. 
net Netflix is, has competition. Yeah, there's not they're not the only ones mm-hmm. in the game. The streaming services are getting very competitive now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not extra. I'm not especially familiar with Hulu because I don't have a subscription to it. But mm-hmm. um, I've been perusing Amazon Prime a lot. Amazon Prime's amazing. It's fantastic. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. that's how I watched The Big Sick, mm-hmm. um, and really glad I did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it is really interesting to see how those given services are trying to like diversify themselves mm-hmm. or stay relevant. Um, and yeah, it seems like for a while, you know, Netflix being the first, you know, the, the first uh, staking their claim in the streaming thing, you know, they were the, the first ones there kind of, um, they, they used to focus a lot on, it used to be a big deal. Like, Ooh, Netflix just got this or right. that or whatever. And now it's not so much that, They've moved on to the you know their own original content, and I have to imagine that creating original content is much more expensive than oh yeah, especially long when you think long term. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, they paid a hundred million dollars for Seinfeld or whatever, but it's a one time payment and they're done. Yeah, you know. Plus Whereas, with the original series, like there's that it's a it's a gamble. Yes, like, you're you have right. no idea if it's going to be a success. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I, it's weird. Like so many people talk about the business of Netflix and how, mm-hmm. like, I think I don't remember who said it. I want to say Paul Thomas Anderson. I don't know. He he came out and he was talking about Netflix and he was like, "Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. They create really good stuff." But I have no idea how they make money. He's like, he's like, I love Netflix. I've watched all of House of Cards. I've watched all this stuff, and I love all this stuff. But I've never paid them one red penny. Huh. He's like, I've never paid them anything. I just use other people's logins and stuff like that. And I was like, dude, you can afford it. Right. Um, I think it was Paul Thomas Anderson. I might be wrong. Huh. I, I don't remember. Maybe Interesting. Darren Aronofsky. I, I can't remember. Mm. Anyways, um, but yeah, it's just huh. it's funny to think about them shelling out these tens of millions of dollars for these original shows. Um, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Um, really quickly, this mm-hmm. isn't this, this wasn't, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but mm-hmm. I got Paige and I got my parents an Amazon fire stick. Oh, nice. For, uh, for Christmas. And, uh, I, I help them set it up over the weekend, they didn't need my help setting it up. My parents are decently tech savvy actually, mm-hmm. but I gave them my login for Amazon prime and Netflix so they could watch that stuff Nice, because they don't have those subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the fire stick is just really cool. Yeah. I just, uh, I mean, there's, nice. again, there's a lot of competition there. There's Roku, Apple TV, Amazon mm-hmm. fire stick, Chromecast, all this stuff. Um, and I was very, I'm very familiar with Apple TV and Roku mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I, I can, I can honestly say that I think Amazon jumped ahead with their fire. Oh, really? Fire stuff. They have, um, it's just really cool. The, the, um, interface is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels more like a computer than it does, nice. you know, than it, than it does like an appy kind of phone or like a sure. tablet. It feels like, it feels like you're looking at a computer screen or a website. It's really, okay. it's very smooth. Um, and then this is starting to become a thing, but you can, it has a voice remote. Oh, yeah. So you can just hold down a button and talk into it, which is perfect because my mom, my dad is pretty tech savvy. My mom's sure. not very good with it. And so I, I've taught her many times how to turn on her TV, turn mm-hmm. on the TV and get to a certain thing. And so she's not tech savvy, but that's what's perfect about it. I can be like, mom, you just hold down this button and say, I want to watch stranger things and it'll pop up for you. Nice. You know? So I, I love that feature of it. And mm-hmm. I was, 
it all worked really seamlessly. It's just a really and it's it was like thirty dollars. See, and that's great. Like my Chromecast so cool. was like twenty five bucks. Yeah, and like it's great. Like I love I love my Chromecast because it's like I'm literally like using my phone as a remote. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's really great. But I mean, I could see myself getting. Um, I don't know. I could see myself getting like a small TV for my bedroom and then using my Chromecast in there and then yeah. getting like a a fire stick for the living room. It's a good idea. Yeah. So, yeah, I just I I I kind of just love Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um their whole Echo thing too. Um the yeah. Echo and the, the dots, like the dot, you I think over the Black Friday season and like leading up to Christmas we got the, we got my parents an Echo Dot as well. Oh, nice! Um, I think they were twenty five bucks. Yeah, or thirty bucks. That I was about like, right. and so like we were trying to th- we couldn't think of anything to get my parents, and they didn't give us like really good ideas for them. And mm-hmm. so I was like, why don't we just get them a dot and a Fire Stick? And I was like, why wouldn't we? Because right. they're so cheap. Yeah, and it's it's just such a cool a cool little feature. I've been listening to NPR a lot at mm-hmm. work, like when I'm in the car. And you can stream NPR. Yeah. You can just say, hey, Alexa, play NPR. Mm-hmm. And it's it's right there. And um, and it, I just love how they have different levels. You can you can get Prime or not. You can even get mm-hmm. free stuff even if you're not using Prime. That's awesome. You know, it's just like they have all these different levels, and it's all mm-hmm. quality stuff. So You know, it's interesting because uh, – <laughs> I I would never want to calculate how much money I've spent on Amazon. Like, oh, me too. I mean, I that's uh, primarily I spend more money through Amazon than any anywhere else. Me too. Like anywhere else. Yeah. Um, like maybe <laughs> maybe my rent is more expensive. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I mean, Amazon is my go-to place for everything. So like like I don't understand how anyone could not have prime yeah because i get so much use out of it right me too and their selection on their instant streaming service is really really competitive it is like there's some really good stuff on there absolutely um yeah speaking of good Mm. stuff on amazon ah nice um i can i can go into are you uh, I had a done? second thing, but I don't think I'm going to bring it up because, because, okay. yeah, I think I actually already mentioned it a little bit on the year in review episode. So speaking of Amazon, Tiny. Speaking of Amazon, um, there is a new show that I think came out within the past couple of months. I'm not mm-hmm. sure when it came out. It's called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Uh, it's a Amazon original series. It is just delightful. Nice. I Paige and I just kind of watched it. Actually, it was when we were helping my parents set up their Fire Stick. Oh, okay. It, it popped up, and my dad was like, "Oh, I think that like won a couple Golden Globes, and it's supposed to be really good." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Really? I haven't even heard of it." And I, I the Globes were completely off my radar this Mine year. Too. Yeah, and so I, I, I don't even know who won anything. I, I, I'm really off base there. But uh, my dad mentioned that, and I was like, "I haven't even heard anything about it." And so Paige was like, "Yeah, I heard it's really good too." And so she just like started watching it. She just started playing it and on a whim, just out of nowhere. And uh, we were like cleaning the house and we were just like done and just really tired. So we sat down. She just turned it on. And man, am I glad she did. And three days we've we've watched like seven or eight episodes. Very nice. Um, So there's a couple left. I haven't watched all of them, but Mm -hmm. um, it's about this like female comedian in the 1950s when stand up comedy is like in its infancy and. 
Yeah, I read the the IMDb description is a housewife in the fifties decides to become a stand up comic, mm-hmm. like that, like that, like elevator pitch or that log line right there. That's like that I definitely want to check out. And it stars Rachel oh, is Brosnan Brosnan and uh, 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 Rachel from, Brosnahan Brosnahan. Yeah, from uh, House of Cards. Yes, House of Cards. Yeah. Um. How, so how is she in it? How's the supporting cast and everything? Um. Yeah. She she's the lead. Alex Borstein is the second. Oh, really? Second lead. Her friend. Okay. Um. Her husband is played by Michael Zegan. Um. He is famous for Boardwalk Empire. Who was he in Boardwalk Empire? Um. He was uh Benny uh Benny Siegel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. He was great in that. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also in The Walking Dead. Uh, um, and then let's see who else. Uh, Tony Shalhoub, uh, who's always fantastic. Nice. Antonio Scarpacci. Antonio Scarpacci. <laughs> um, yeah, and just a couple other people. But um, uh, Rachel Rachel Brosnahan is just amazing. She's I because like she her, she plays her character in house of cards mm-hmm. is very like, uh, internal. She's, she's like very internal and she's, mm-hmm. she kind of has to bottle a lot of things up and, and, and kind of a victim mentality throughout yeah. the entire run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and she, I think, did she win the golden globe? I think she did. Um, oh, I don't I, know if she did or not. Okay. I know that it was up for it for sure. I think she was nominated. Yeah. Anyways, um, so sorry, I'm trying to see if she won. I don't, I don't think she did. Um, so her character on House of Cards is, is you know so compartmentalized and very mm-hmm. withdrawn and and dark and everything. And she's great. I'm not trying to take anything away from that performance. It's just that that that's my frame of reference for her as an actress. Right. Um, I don't I haven't really seen her in anything else. But then just to see her in this role she's so she's like a whippersnapper like she's very she curses a lot and she's like nice. drinks and she's she's part of this like um affluent very jewish new york family in the 1950s and she's hmm. she's really beautiful and and she's you know it's the glamorous 1950s when mm-hmm. everyone had big hair and was dressed up uh, and yeah. everything all the time everybody's so dapper all the time it's just so amazing to see that character juxtaposed with her character from house of cards nice um and she's just like nailing it mm-hmm. hitting it out of the park i mean being an actor is not conducive to being a stand-up comic right just like being a stand-up comic is not conducive to being an actor mm-hmm. and so the two and two don't necessarily go hand in hand right um and so to see her just nail and completely understand how comedy works mm-hmm. just blows me away on top of being a really cool character who's just hilarious and nice. and really bright and like just peppy as all hell and really really incredible character and she's just absolutely nailing it and and I man I hope it I hope the show goes on for another four or five seasons nice it's, it's fantastic Bo- uh, Alex Borstein also mm-hmm probably her best work i've ever seen her oh really she's she's hilarious she's nice. like she's like um 
the complete opposite of what you would expect from like a 1950s lady. She's like okay. very, she's like pretty butch and like, okay. um, doesn't dress up, dress up and she curses like a sailor and nice. she's, she's really good in it. I, man, I really love her in, in the, in this show. Very nice. That's awesome. I, I cannot recommend it enough. Nice. It's fantastic. And, uh, speaking also of Amazon prime and I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. Okay. Um, okay, so for, for backstory, uh, on my solo podcast anthology, I'm reviewing Black Mirror in a bonus review series. And then after I finish that bonus review series, I'm going to dive right into Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, or as I'm in my head calling it, uh, Dick's ED. Um, <laughs> You're terrible. I, I, I am, <laughs> but I'm so fucking proud of that. Anyway. Uh, Philip Kiddick's Electric Dreams. Um, uh, yeah, and I know that you've watched like uh, a couple episodes of that. I just watched the first one. That's oh, it. just the first one. Just the okay. first one so far. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the first one yet, um, but I'm going to this this weekend. I'm planning on on doing all that. But uh, what do you think of it so far? Um, it it was okay. It was a little um, the story. Okay. Is it's an anthology show, right? Like it is. It's a different. Yeah. Okay, I didn't see. I didn't even realize that. I thought. Oh, really? I thought it was a linear story. I didn't realize that. Um, um, nope. I, Hence why I'm going to review it on anthology. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize that, but uh, yeah. Um, it's it was okay. I, I think the first episode, um, the story would have been better suited to a movie, maybe. Mm. Um, it just kind of jumped into things and didn't have a lot of time for setup. Interesting. Um, so it, it felt a little bit rushed. Um, Terrence Howard is in it, and I nice. his performance was was pretty good. I hadn't seen him in anything mm-hmm. in a little while. Um, but yeah, the, but unfortunately, there's some other performances that I wasn't real thrilled with. Yeah, in the first episode, but it's it it was cool. It was it was nice and science fictiony, and it felt like you know that classic Philip K. Dick kind of. Yeah, kind of things. Have so. you ever actually like read any Philip K. Dick? I, I have not. I, you know, what's interesting is that, um, okay, so, <laughs> um, they actually published a book, a collection of all the short stories that are based that are the basis of the episodes of of Electric Dreams. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, in preparation for my review series on anthology, I've read maybe three or four of them so far. There's ten of them. I've read three or four of them, and this it's my introduction to reading the work of Philip K. Dick, and man, he is it, he's really impressive at just bringing you right into this to an entirely different world. Wow! And what's interesting is that his writing style is like a that's his style. He will just drop you into the middle of this world. He'll throw in like bits and pieces here and there, but there's no like long exposition dumps or anything like that or anything anything to that effect it's just like hey you're these people are here this is what they're doing you know roll with it <laughs> um uh but yeah yeah so anyway um yeah I'll, if you want to hear my thoughts on it uh check out anthologypod.com in a couple weeks okay i'm definitely um, sticking with electric dreams I'm, nice i'm very in, i'm invested in watching that so nice now here fairly soon we could potentially be doing a Black Mirror episode, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Are you planning on watching that anytime soon? Yeah, that's my focus <laughs> for the foreseeable future with as far as watching watching TV is finishing The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel mm-hmm. and then Black Mirror and Electric Dreams. Nice. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Because I think we're going to have like a probably a bonus review just all about Black Mirror Season 4. Um, and Tiny, do you, are you going to like listen to my reviews on Anthology Forum? Yeah, I'll try. Nice, you should. <laughs> anyway, um, I'm actually really proud because in my five days off from work, I cranked out like four bonus reviews. Damn. Yeah. Um, yeah, very happy about that. And then That's, I have... That is impressive. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I have, I think it was more like three. Yeah, it was three. No, I'm not impressed but at all. I know. Yeah. I actually <laughs> think it was technically two. Oh my but, God. But <laughs> that's neither here nor there. I have three more. I'm now halfway through reviewing the fourth season. Okay. And there's some really good, there's some really good stuff. I, it's funny. And this is a small tangent. I might even cut it out of the episode. I don't know, but it's funny because there's an episode that, it's the next episode that I have to review that I'm both very much looking forward to reviewing it and very much terrified of reviewing it because it is um, – it is – I won't give anything away except that it uh, is a Black Mirror version of like online dating. Oh. And – it like I feel like if I'm not careful, I'm going to say some very private things <laughs> in my yeah. reviews. Um, needless to say, that episode freaking spoke to me. Okay. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I can't wait to talk to you about Black Mirror. Okay. Um, do you mind if I go next? Do you have any absolutely? Go ahead. Okay. All right. So next up for me is um, okay. <laughs> it's Mother. Okay. Uh, Darren Aronofsky's movie with uh, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, who he was dating at the at the time. Oh, really? Yeah, they, I guess they've been dating for a while. They're not anymore. Huh. So there's a chance. <laughs> um, no, but uh, so the plot description according to IMDb is a couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence. So Mother is... To say Mother is a polarizing movie is a massive understatement. Mm -hmm. Like, Mother, just judging from the reaction online and and the reaction of of people that, like, reviews I've read and listened to and everything, Mother is a movie that you will either really like, maybe love, or vehemently hate with every fiber of your being and never want to see again for the rest of your life. Okay. There's like no middle ground with mother and going into the movie, my only expectation or my only thought going into the movie, I th- I feel like I was, I was in a very good frame of mind cause I actually was prepared for it. Um, I heard whispers that this movie is essentially just a metaphor for mother nature and humans, uh, impeding on mother nature apparently. Okay. So going into the movie with that mindset, I kind of was blown away by it, like in a very good way. Um, So keeping in mind the kind of metaphor, like like for starters, Mother is not a movie at all that you can take you can take literally. Like you cannot assign a literal viewpoint to the entire movie. Like you can't you can't judge the characters based on like how you would judge conventional characters in a narrative. Okay. Like you can't sit there and say like, Oh, well like you, there's no like richness to the character cause it is literally all metaphor. Mm. So the kind of conceit of the movie is that, um, I don't even know how much I want to give away, but basically it's the entire story is this freaking mind boggling, um, depiction of, Mother Nature, 
the planet Earth, God, and what happens when God pisses off Mother Nature by bringing mankind to Earth and creating mankind on Earth. And what's fascinating to me is that this is a movie that's set almost entirely, like, yeah, pretty much almost entirely within the confines of this house. Okay. And having everything steeped in so much metaphor, it makes the kind of visual representation of those metaphors, even though sometimes Darren Aronofsky is a little on the nose with it. Yeah, he is. Um, it's, it's great because I am not the best at de- detecting subtlety, <laughs> so it works for me. But yeah, seeing the way that he basically un- – the way that he tell, tells the story through in those confines of it being a metaphor and it being confined to this house and each specific character representing a specific thing in a, in a specific uh, part of the story, like, I was really, really just taken with it. I thought it was really well done. Okay. And there are some very interesting, like, biblical allegories that are made. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's... I don't even want to give it away, but there, there's some some elements like I'm not I'm not a religious person, never been a religious person. I yeah. kind of don't care for religion in general. <laughs> right. But there are like biblical stories that are depicted in metaphor in this in this movie that I'm like, oh shit, that was that, and I was like it like the way that I was following, I'm like this is kind of really impressive. And it's just it's a movie that really is is going to stay with me for a while, and the way that the that the tension and the the story itself just escalates and and becomes just grander in scope within still the the confines of this of this uh, palatial estate that's the interior is is kind of claustrophobic in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that the story expands leads to some of the most fascinating and most daring and most just shocking um visual filmmaking I've I've seen in within the last in a while in a very long time. Okay. So it's like just the stuff that Aronofsky does like when the like when shit goes completely insane like it's it's like you can't tear yourself away from it. And it's just, it's really fascinating. And like, I, I'm just so surprised. Like, like I'm so impressed that like, uh, that he was able to make this story. Like he was able hmm. to make this movie the way that he did. Yeah. And kind of on, on the other hand of things, it's funny. Cause like a few years ago, we actually reviewed Noah, mm-hmm. which I believe was his last movie previous to this and that's very much like it's obviously the story of noah from the bible and it's pretty straightforward like he yeah. like he tells it in a way that um it's like it's set in that period and i didn't like it i just i just didn't like noah yeah i wasn't really, really into it either yeah but had he made like had he made noah in the same way like contemporary a contemporary setting and just all metaphor i would have been much more taken with it Okay. Because with Mother, I was just, man, that, it kind of freaking blew me away. Nice. Um, I don't know if it blew me away enough to ever really want to see it again, <laughs> but man, there was some really great stuff in it. And, okay. um, after you see it, I do want to have a, a nerdy conversation with you about one element of it that idiot that I am, I connected something stupid to it. But anyway. Okay. 
has nothing to do with really anything. But um, but yeah, that's Mother, and it, man, it was really really impressive. Like I, nice. I don't know if I've ever, I. I don't know when the last time I've I had like a, a movie going experience or a movie watching experience like that that Jeez. kind of left me with so much to absorb and, and take in. Wow. Yeah. Would it have made your top ten? That's a very tough call. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Sounds like it should have. It it probably would have. I mean, it probably would have been like a nine or ten. Okay. Um, just because. Just because <laughs> and I tweeted this too. Uh, just because the the. F- the achievement in just the in in filmmaking that was the what he achieved filming the movie is is worthy enough of recognition to be on a top ten list. Okay. Um and I and I tweeted this but um <clears throat> just incredibly like daring filmmaking and <laughs> more like daring Aronofsky, am I right? Yeah, you're Cause right. Because he's, he's daring. Anyways, yeah. he and Jennifer Lawrence are no longer together. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I man, I really wanted to see this, and I I knew that it's too weird for Paige, so she'll never watch oh, it. Yeah, um, and so I, I had to watch it on my own, just trying to find the time to do it. But uh, I knew that when I it was making headlines because religious people were really pissed off about it, I was like, yeah. I'm probably gonna like this movie, right? <laughs> well, and that's the oh man, it, it it's God, it's it's really. It's really good. I I yeah. really liked it. Um and just like not even like w- in terms of like waiting for it to to kind of the climax of the movie and everything but even like from the beginning of it it's just the, it's filmed in a way that's so um I don't want to say invasive but it's just very it kind of gets under your skin a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like it's most of the scenes most uh I heard somewhere that like ninety I think Aronofsky said like something like ninety to ninety five percent of all the shots in the movie are from one of three different point of views. So there's like a shot like like one of those three is from over the shoulder of Jennifer Lawrence, um, up close on someone's face, or point of view from Jennifer Lawrence, I think. I, hmm. I, I don't remember what all three were, but essentially, like, the way that the camera moves, it just feels like you are constantly, like, you're in Jennifer Lawrence's position because it's essentially the camera is following following her around throughout the entire movie as she's navigating the this house, and it's, ah, uh, it's so impressive. Like, it, it, it really blew me away, and hmm. kind of one of my last thoughts about that Oh, is that, uh, yeah, and something that I didn't really catch on to until later in the movie, but there is, there is zero score. Really? Yeah, there is no music in the movie. Huh. Except for like a couple of shots where there's like music playing in the scene. Um, but there is no like, no one scored it as like a composer or anything. It's just, it's, in that it leads to it being just a really, it has somewhat of a weird, like, adverse effect from what it should. Cause, like, when, when you score a movie, you're basically, you're playing up the tone and it's bringing the audience into, like, a connection with the story. And it's, it's, you know, it's a score. Like, you're, you're, it's the audio representation of the emotion, feeling of the scene and everything. But with the absence of that, 
somehow for me like drew me even deeper into the story and deeper into what's going on and figuring out what the what the fuck i'm watching <laughs> um it's just it's really it's such it's such an interesting movie and that's that's unlike darren aronofsky too he's known for having immersive music oh absolutely like one of the most iconic movie tracks of all or at least of the last 50 years or so is requiem for a dream right uh, lux eterno right i think uh by clint mansell right and clint mansell has worked with him like a lot of most times. of his career yeah. and it's like and he's like an incredible composer but right. yeah it's just it's interesting man i yeah i really want i really want you to see it um yeah i want to see it yeah, really i ended bad. up renting it on google play so okay yep um <clears throat> so it is available for rent and that is mother and it is uh Man, I'm uh I was I was really taken with it. Okay. I, I really was. Wow. So what do you uh uh after I've uh <clears throat> crowned so much um so much praise on on Aronofsky and everything, what do you what do you have next? <laughs> uh up next I was going to talk about um another thing I watched on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this just to mess with you, by the way. Um, nice. <laughs> I'm picking a totally random order from my mm. list just to mess with you. Nice. Um, <laughs> it's another movie I watched on Amazon Prime. It's it's uh, free with Prime. It's called Patterson. Nice. Uh, it's from 2016. Uh, stars um, Adam Driver of uh, Kylo Ren fame. Can I say something? <sighs> yeah. Judging from... I, I've only seen the trailer. I haven't seen the movie, but... Um, and. If I'm wrong, I'll cut this out of it. But um, would you say that his name should be Adam Busdriver? God, you you could say that because nice. he he's a bus driver in the, <laughs> in the movie. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, you 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 could say he's he's a bus driver in the movie. You could say he's a, a veteran. You could say he's a, a a boyfriend. You could say he's a poet. You could say just about anything about his character because his character is like nothing. Huh. This movie was so weird to me. Like I think I kind of liked it, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's 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 pretty boring and pretty uneventful. Um, it's it's like his character, uh, also named Patterson. He lives mm-hmm. in the city of Patterson, New Jersey, um, which has a few claims to fame. Um, and is kind of featured prominently in the in in the movie. Um, he's he's just this uh, like the character is just like this amalgamation of facts. He has like very very little personality, and like they they spotlight all these things about him. Most notably that he he writes poetry all the time, and he's he's a poet, um, a fairly simplistic one, and, and an amateur absolutely, but. Uh, he he likes poetry. He writes it all the time. He is a bus driver. He was in the Marines. Hmm. He has a girlfriend. It's like it, it's like all these things about him don't influence who he is. And he's just this super vanilla, uncharacteristic mannequin-like character. And I really don't know what they were trying to do. <laughs> um, I I was I was like waiting the whole movie for him to do something grand or do something big or like he spends the movie writing these poems down in this notebook by hand and he's got dozens if not over a hundred of them from like I, I would assume over a year's worth of work Okay, and like 
at at a certain point, I hate to spoil this, but like that the the, the notebook gets ruined. Okay, and he's like doesn't even react. Really? And it's just like, man, that's like your heart and soul you're pouring out, and he takes yeah. it really seriously. And it's like, it's something that it's it is his passion in in the movie, but he just like doesn't even really care, and he's just like, yeah, well, yeah, that's too bad. Huh? I really that's just weird. didn't. I, I guess I just didn't get it. I, yeah. I, didn't, I don't know what they were going for. Huh. Um, and that's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It's. Huh. I mean, I, I maybe I was missing something or, I don't know, but I was I was just I was waiting for something big to happen. Interesting. Um, he has he has a girlfriend throughout in, in the movie, and she like doesn't work, and mm-hmm. she just kind of lives at home. She's like this like free spirited artist and this very outgoing, extroverted type A kind of person. So literally like the polar opposite of what he is. Right. She does all the talking. She decorates the whole house. She does everything. Makes all the decisions. And it, it, for whatever reason, he just kind of keeps on loving her. And it's just huh. kind of weird because it's just they seem so diametrically opposed. Mm-hmm. It seems like she's annoying him throughout most of the movie. Really? But for whatever reason, he's like in love with her and he's, huh. I don't know. I, I, I really just d- didn't really get it that much. Um, That's really interesting because um, a couple years or this came out in 2016, right? Yeah. Okay. Like last Last year on our year in review episode, you mentioned that it was one of your movies that you wish you would have seen. Yeah, yeah, I, I wish it was, and I'm, <laughs> I, or I, I, I wished that it was. I'm mm. glad it wasn't because it would not. I wouldn't have made any of my lists wow. anywhere. Um, I, I didn't hate the movie. I'm not saying it right. sucks or anything. It's just like, I, I almost want to see it again. I don't know. It's, it is a very poetic, uh, kind of story there's a lot of very um i i liked a lot of the visuals in the movie which is a weird thing to say because mm-hmm. patterson is just kind of kind of an every town it, it's mm-hmm. you know a medium-sized city medium-sized american city it's nothing sure nothing incredible but the they made it look kind of kind of picturesque okay very bucolic um yeah. it was it was interesting in that regard but um i just i wasn't really sure what what they were going for. Interesting. I, I remember when this was coming out, I was really looking forward to it because it was uh, something I'd read about. It said that they, it, it's an important movie because it's about someone who's a veteran and mm. how he's trying to make his way through the world after, after getting out of the military. But it, there is literally nothing, n- nothing to do with his service at all. Wow. They show him, they show a picture oh. of him when he was in the Marines mm-hmm. and that's it. He doesn't bring it up. No one ever brings it up. There's nothing. There is one physical altercation where I think maybe he learned those moves in the military, mm-hmm. but he never says that. No one ever asks him about it. I, I just don't. I don't get it. There, it's, he's just such a such a scattered character that I really don't. I really don't understand it. Wow. I'm gonna have to check that out just out of curiosity because yeah, like the trailer didn't really do much for me when I saw it a year or so ago. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I at least thought that Adam Driver would like it would have been a cool like uh, starring role for him, like kind of a meaty like indie right indie drama role for it, him. It wasn't not not in my wow. book. Um, he was fine. It was <laughs> it was just the material that was weird. Okay. Um, the the girl who plays his girlfriend. Oh jeez, I'm gonna slaughter her name. She's Iranian. She's Persian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golsh- Golshifte Farahani. 
Um, she was actually relatively enjoyable. Like I said, the, okay. the juxtaposition of those two, uh, being diametrically opposed to polar opposites was kind of funny. Um, mm. not like laugh out loud funny, but kind of situationally funny. Sure. Um, and so she was, she was bubbly and enjoyable and I, I kind of liked her, uh, in the movie as well. But, uh, really cute dog in the movie too. Nice. What kind of dog? Uh, English bulldog. Okay. All right. English. Yeah. English bulldog. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'd probably give it like a six, six or 6.5 out of 10. Okay. Somewhere in there. What did you rate it on Letterboxd? Uh, I didn't, I didn't rate it. Okay. I don't rate most of the movies because I check in right when I start watching a movie. Oh, makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I officially got my letterbox all up to date. Nice. So my one of my resolutions for this year is to keep up with Letterboxd throughout the entire year. Okay. So you can find me on there at Obsessive Viewer. Um letterbox.com slash obsessive viewer. Tiny's at it or Tiny's Obsessive Tiny on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, follow us there. Totally. Um did you have anything more to say on Patterson? No, no, that was okay. actually more than I wanted to say. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Alright, well speaking of Amazon Prime. I watched a movie um, on Amazon Prime uh, that's available on Amazon Prime. It's a whole uh, <laughs> hello. My name is Doris, um, which is uh, Sally Field, Max Greenfield. Um, it's uh, the plot description is a self-help summon- seminar inspires a sixty-something woman to romantically pursue her younger coworker. It was directed by Michael Showalter, who directed Big Sick. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and he's known for obviously being in um um like a lot of David Wayne productions and like uh um mm. Wet Hot American Summer. Okay. Um anyway, uh yeah, so Hello, my name is Doris. I was very pleasantly surprised by this. I, I kind of watched it on a whim. Um and I really I was really impressed with Sally Field's performance, first and foremost, because it could have been just kind of a standard, um, a standard kind of coming of age comedy, um, story about a woman who is kind of trying to evolve with the times but can't because of her age. Like it could have been one of those standard movies like that, but it turned out that it's more, it's, it's less about just kind of the tropish nature of, of the story. And it's just more about her as a character. Like she is, in the movie, her mother has died, and uh, she's she's been taking care of her mother, and her house is now empty, and they were both hoarders and everything. So there's a whole subplot with her s- brother and sister-in-law trying to get her to clean out the house and, and you know, finally stop being a hoarder about it. Um, and that subplot, it kind of really spoke to me. It was really fascinating or really a, a really strong performance by Sally Field because there's one scene, it's kind of the quintessential like, oh, you need to clean out your, like, it's kind of the quintessential like hoarder scene where it's like, oh no, you can't get rid of this. This is, this is important. I need this kind of, that kind of cliched scene. But the way that Sally Field plays it, it is so freaking heartbreaking. Like, she kind of blew me away. Um, her performance is outstanding. And, like, there's a moment um, soon after that where, like, the whole point of the movie is that she's, you know, she's going after this younger guy. And um, she is not... Um, 
she's not adjusting well to kind of technology and everything. She's out of touch because she's a 60-something-year-old woman who didn't really adapt with the times or anything. So there's a moment where um, I didn't look up to see if Sally Field won any awards for it, but she deserved all of them if she did. Wow. She deserved them because there's a scene where, like, her brother is talking to her about how they both agreed that she would be the one that would take care of their mother and everything. And, like, there's this, like... Sally Field's response to that is so freaking heartbreaking and it's just she's she's basically voicing her regret for the last like however many years and how she could have had everything but she chose to to take care of from take care of their mother and how now her brother has everything that she should have and it's just like it is an emotionally just devastating performance from Sally wow. Field. Yeah, and then the actual like main plot of the movie with her and max greenfield is um i mean it's kind of it's kind of silly and uh, really cringy because it's kind of this thing where she is technologically inept and she is taking uh advice from like a 13 year old who's a friend of her or a, a granddaughter of her friend um who she's basically getting dating advice from this teenage girl and it's it kind of has some hilarious uh side effects and everything or, or re, uh, responses. But yeah, but for the most part, I mean, this is a great movie for Sally Field's performance. Mm-hmm. Um, like her, her performance in this movie is, is really great. And I also really like Max Greenfield and he's very, he's very charming and very, um, like he's very, uh, he plays the character as someone who you think could maybe actually, be into Sally Field, like, okay. um, because this, the links that she goes to, to, um, kind of harbor this crush toward him are pretty surprising and hilarious, um, and cringe inducing, but like <laughs> he, like, it's enough to where you would think that he would like, he, he, uh, it's kind of built up in her head. So it's not like he has any knowledge of it, but he still has this charming aspect to him. That's like, he seems like a genuine person who could maybe actually be into her. But yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's hello. My name is Doris. Um, really good performance by by Sally Field. I really can't um, can't overstate that. And uh, how did you yeah. watch it? Uh, it was available on Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And uh, so, Tiny, if I were to name my couch uh, seventeen, <laughs> uh, and I were to ask you to. Um, to show, uh, give me what your next one is. Would you keep me on the edge of my 17? God, that was really laborious. It was. <laughs> so what do you have next? Uh, I swear to God, if you say atomic clock, <laughs> <laughs> I actually was going to talk about the edge of 17. So oh, nice. Yeah. I watched that. Um, that was a movie that I was really looking forward to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Haley Steinfeld. I think she's yeah ridiculously talented for, how young she is. She's really funny. Um, so I was looking forward to that. Woody Harrelson's one of my favorite actors. Mm-hmm. Um, it just looks like a funny, a funny, but like grounded, grounded, funny teen comedy kind mm-hmm. of, kind of movie. Um, and, uh, it turned out to be pretty much that. And I, I was fairly happy with it. I, I enjoyed it relatively well. Yeah, I've heard um, really good things. Really? Yeah. It didn't, it, it reminded me a lot of the movie easy. A okay. Um, and I think easy A is actually the better movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it had uh, more 
uh, more better rounded characters. Um, so like in the age of 17, Haley Steinfeld's character is very on point and very well-rounded, well-done character. Um, but it's a lot of the supporting supporting characters aren't as, aren't as well done. So that's okay. this what kind of separates it apart. Um, and then easy. A was a little more goofy, a little more mm-hmm. satirical. Maybe um, this was a little more, this was kind of on the nose, the age of 17, but uh, it was, it was great. It was, it, I think it captured really well, kind of like what it is to be a teenager, you know, and okay. the, the angst that comes with that and the, all of the ridiculous hormones and the wave of emotions you're going through trying to figure out how to be an adult. Um, and this movie captured that pretty well nice. without being pretentious or like, you know, talking down to teenagers, I guess is the way I would kind of put it. Like it wasn't like lecturing or whatever, or like, you know, Haley Steinfeld's character. Um, what was her name? Nadine. Uh, wasn't like an idealized version of a teenager, okay. like too smart for her, like unreal, unrealistically smart or right. witty or quick or whatever. She makes a lot of mistakes and she's not flawless and she's not perfectly funny in every single situation and people get the better of her. And it was, uh, it was just a very, uh, just feel like a really grounded movie. Um, nice. there's a lot of really good dramatic moments mixed in with the comedy. Um, and, Woody Harrelson remains one of my favorite actors. Yeah. Uh, he's not in this movie enough. It's really, it's really kind of a shame because he has some hilarious moments. Nice. Um, and Haley Seinfeld is phenomenal. She's, she's so good. I, I really, I love everything she does. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's terrific. So, uh, Kira Sedgwick also had a very good performance as her mother. Oh, nice. Um, dealing with her, uh, her, the death of her husband and, mm-hmm. uh, Haley Steinfeld's father passes away. And so she's trying to figure out how to be a single mother and all that. And she also does a really good job in this movie. So it's really enjoyable. It's, it's funny and super, it's kind of a dramedy. Mm-hmm. Um, in that respect, it's, it, it's really well done. And it's, even though it's about, you know, teenagers and c- coming of age, uh, it's, it's very accessible for people who are not teenagers. You know, it's, <laughs> nice. it's not some goofy ass, teen show on the CW that you're just like, God, these kids suck. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's pretty accessible and pretty relatable for anyone who grew up at some point. Nice. Um, I think you would especially like it. There's this kind of, I was, was going to say, cause you said anyone who grew up, I'm like, I haven't thrown up. Yeah. No, not so much. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, I'm kidding. But, uh, there's this very kind of like dorky, awkward character that I was like, Oh, Matt's in this movie. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, Three podcasts. That's, yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, interesting, interesting. Yeah, but though. it's it's a, it's a charming little movie. I I really liked it. It was it was fun. Nice. I'm gonna have to definitely check that out. And how did you watch it? Um, it was airing on one of the movie channels, and I just recorded it. Oh, on my DVR. It may have been okay. Showtime. Gotcha. Showtime, maybe. Yeah. All right. Sure. I liked um, it. Yeah, I have to check and see if it's streaming anywhere or rented or whatever. I've been really getting into just. Um, buying myself uh google play gift cards just so i can load up um my google play account with just money nice um yeah so like i actually have one hanging up on like on my little key thing there for a rainy day nice um but yeah and then also kind of side tangent here but uh our friend matt and draco and patreon supporter matt and draco Mm -hmm. he uh he gave me a free uh 
rental through Vudu. Nice. Um, cause he has, he's, he's a T-Mobile user and he has a, like T-Mobile Tuesdays where he gets free shit. Right. And so he sent me, he's like, Hey, do you ever rent movies on Vudu? And I'm like, you know, not really, but I have a Vudu account. So sure. And he's like, well, here you go. And then like I redeemed it and it was like, it wasn't like a like oh here's a free rental. It's like oh here's five five dollars and fifty cents of credit on your account. And I'm like okay sweet. So mm-hmm. I went ahead and what's great about it is it's compatible with Chromecast. It, there's a app on PS4, so it's very easily accessible. Nice. And so I and kind of the bonus of that is that I um uh had I got I assume that like the first the first rental you do is ninety nine cents. Like nice. so, I was able to rent a few movies. I haven't watched them yet, but I do have a few that I'm really excited about because they. One thing that I really like about Voodoo's uh, interface and everything is that it has, um, it basically has, uh, it a lot of different genres and categories and everything. So like I went to because another one of my kind of um, resolutions, I guess, or goals for the year is to kind of watch more. Like watch more kind of classics or what? Maybe not even classics. Just like watch more movies from, you know, the past, not like the last decade. Right. So I went on kind of a rental spree. And rented. Uh, I have. I currently have five rentals that are active on Vudu. Yes, and I also have three that are active on Google Play. Uh, that actually might be more now that I think about it. Hmm. But I'm really excited about the five movies that I have rented on. Um, on Voodoo because they are, um, uh, okay. I'll say, well, okay. Uh, first I have network, which I've never seen. So I'm nice excited to check that out. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid. Cool. Shane. Okay. Yep. And then I'm, <laughs> I'm weirdly really excited about this because this is going to be a double feature for me. Uh, but the Poseidon adventure and the towering Inferno. Nice. I yeah. love the towering Inferno. I, and I know that you do. Yeah. And I've always wanted to see it, but I never, I've, I've just never gotten around to it. So, yeah. um, I'll probably watch those and report back next week for potpourri. Nice. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. That's cool. And thank you so much to Matt and Draco for, yeah, donating he me. hooks me up with like uh free red box codes all the time Nice through, through T-Mobile. It's, it's funny cause he gave me one yesterday. Nice. He was like, sorry, it expires today. I was like, oh, that's all right. We'll use it. And I worked till 11 o'clock. At oh night. yeah. Didn't even get Shit. to use it. I almost sent it to you, but I was just like, so wrapped up in getting work. I was just, I was working. Yeah. I was working. Oh, so, absolutely. Like, I should have afforded it to you. Oh, which, it's uh, no big deal. Yeah. Like I said, I have, as of right now, I have eight different rentals nice. going through You're doing all right. Voodoo and Google Play. So, yeah. yeah. And for those wondering, my Google Play rentals are Brad's Status with uh, Ben Stiller and... Um, I don't want to look at my phone again. Um, Brad's hmm. Status, uh, The Time Machine from 1960 that I'm reviewing on uh, Anthology. Nice. Oh, and The uh, Sacred Killing of a Deer. Okay, cool. I've or heard... The Killing of a Sacred Deer. The killing Whatever of a sacred deer. That sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, the sacred killing of a deer. No, I've heard mixed things on that one. I'm I'm very curious about it. I've never seen the lobster, which was the uh, the guy's previous uh, right movie. But I'm very curious about this because I don't know much about it. So yeah, yeah. nice. Um. All right. Well, I've never used Voodoo. I'll oh, really? To, I'll have to look into that. You know, it's really interesting because I I have Voodoo and like um. It's kind of touch and go. Okay, they have this one feature that, okay, this is kind of embarrassing and, and not really, 
something I want to bring up, but um, <laughs> they have a feature called disk to digital where, um, okay. So you have the app, you basically um, load the app up, go to the disk to digital section, take one of your DVDs, scan the barcode. And if it's one of the like 10,000 movies that are available, you pay $2 and get a digital copy forever. Interesting. Yeah, $2 for standard definition, $5 for high def. Less interesting. Exactly. <laughs> and so like I'm th- like I had this like vision in my head it's like I'm going to get a bunch of like sticky notes and <laughs> I'm going to go through all my DVDs and just like scan them, see how much they are, put them on the put them on there so that when I have a like, little extra money here and there, I'll just slowly digitize my collection. Wow. And then not I don't I see issues with that plan. Oh, very much so. <laughs> one, point one is that I have my Voodoo account linked to my Google Play account, or somehow my Google Play somehow somehow most of the Google Play digital copies are in my Google Play library. Same way that like if I go to Amazon, I have that linked to Google Play, or I have it linked to Voodoo or something. So if I go to Amazon on my PS4 and then I go to uh, my my movies that I have all have like all of my like digital copies that I've redeemed and stuff hmm. available there. So yeah, anyway, it's there's a longer conversation to be had about digitizing your collections and stuff cuz like I was thinking like okay, I have owned um like this um collection of Alfred Hitchcock movies. Am I pointing in the right place? Yeah. yeah. Right here. Um, I have owned those for over a decade since, Mm -hmm. since high school, I bought the box set. I've watched maybe, maybe, uh, I've watched maybe 15% of them Mm -hmm. total. Never really, never really like have any motivation to do that. But I went ahead and scanned and bought the digital copy of North by Northwest. And, um, uh, what was the other one I got? I want to, oh, strangers on a train. And then like, I could see myself like doing that so that I have instant access to them without having to bother with that. But yeah, anyway, it's, this is all me pouring money into something <laughs> that doesn't need to be poured into. <laughs> North by Northwest is great. And you know, I've seen it once when I was oh really okay. much, much, much younger. Yeah. And I couldn't really appreciate it, but, um, yeah, I'll have to revisit it. Nice. Yeah. Um, next up for me is actually it was Mike's um, number three movie in his top ten list. Hmm. Uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Nice. Yes. So the plot description from IMDb is a mother personally challenges the local authorities to solve her daughter's murder when they fail to catch the culprit. So, um, you know... Mike spoke very highly of it. I actually re-listened to that section of the podcast to to see what his thoughts were. And, I mean, I totally get why he would make it his number three and everything. Honestly, uh, um, I wasn't as taken with it. Um, it wasn't a bad movie. I didn't have a bad experience with it or anything. But um, I did kind of feel it was a little bit lacking for me. Um Having said that, that like the performances are incredible. Um, Francis McDormand plays the mother uh, who who takes out the billboards to kind of challenge the challenge of the police department. Um, uh, 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 Sam Rockwell 
plays this really gr- like really great performance of this just very um uh racist and and dickheaded police police officer um maybe i think it might be officially like a deputy or something but uh and then uh woody harrelson plays a um plays the chief of uh, chief of police mm-hmm. and those are kind of the three main three main roles and everything and they have they bring a lot like the characters bring a lot of different things to to the table and there's some really interesting surprises in the plot regarding the characters and everything um, but that central dynamic of those those three characters is really really interesting and I really liked the way that the plot unfolded because it is this battle between Francis McDormand and the police department and it is this battle that's uh at times like like i know that feckus saw it and i talked to him a little bit about it um before i had seen it and he said that he wasn't prepared for it to be as i think he said as as serious as it was like he was expecting it to be more comedic um since the same person made like seven psychopaths and yeah you know, a couple martin of mcdonough yeah yeah in and Bru- he was in bruges in bruges yes yes that's the one i was thinking of mm-hmm. Um, I still thought it was still pretty funny. Like there was, there were some really good dark comedic beats. Um, but yeah, it is for the most part a very kind of serious movie. And I kind of left it thinking, I, I kind of left the movie feeling a little underwhelmed because I don't, I don't feel like the ending or the, the last act, uh, really connected with me in terms of, of taking, putting the characters in, uh, on, uh, a specific track. I kind of, I didn't really, I didn't really see, I don't really know what statement they were trying to make, hmm. um, with the movie or if there was one, I just, I just kind of, by the end of it, it kind of left me wanting a little bit. Okay. Um, but the actual performances are really, are really great. Uh, Peter Dinklage appears in like kind of a, a supporting role, nice. uh, which is always, it's always great to see him. Um, there is one sequence that, um, is really really impressive. Um, it is basically following um, Sam Rockwell um, as he walks out of a building, crosses a street, walks into another building, and what he does in like in that scene, I won't give it away or anything, but just like the way that it's shot and the way that it unfolds is is really good. Nice. Um, it's I, I was really taken with that. Oh, also, um, ah, I can't remember the actor's name. Um, is it Clark? It's not Clark Peters? Lester Freeman? I'm going to look that up. Oh. I don't I don't remember his name. Yeah, I Hang on, let me look that up real quick. Yes, it is Clark Peters. Uh Clark Peters appears in it. Uh he played he played a uh, Lester, Lester Freeman in uh, The Wire. But anyway, um, you know, I, I thought it was just okay. Um, it wouldn't have made my top ten list or, or even my honorable mentions, but it was. It had a lot to it that I was kind of taken with, but just yeah. at the end it didn't really connect for me that much. Okay. I was, I'm was. i really glad that Martin McDonough is like in the spotlight right now because I've mm-hmm. – In Bruges is maybe one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Top twenty favorite movies of the last decade. Nice, oh, I, I love lo- it. I love that movie. So, mm-hmm. and Seven Psychopaths is also really good. So, I'm glad he's getting some spotlight right now. Nice. I haven't seen it yet though. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what do you got next? Uh, pretty briefly, but up next is uh, uh, the second season of The Crown uh, came out. And uh, I, I can say with, I think, complete confidence that that is my favorite show right now. Oh, really? That's my favorite show on TV right now. Nice. It is just so freaking good. Um, we had that little tangent earlier about, like, you know, streaming services and how Netflix is pouring all this money into original content and mm-hmm. man i bet a lot of that money is going to the show <laughs> because they just do not cut any corners from like a visual standpoint wow. it, it just blows me away that they're they're filming this show that's 50 years in the past and mm-hmm. like i feel like with a show like um mad men Mm-hmm. That was an incredibly incredible looking show, and it had great visuals, and it's it was again impressive that it was a show, a period piece show like that, and they maintained all this authenticity and all that stuff. But I feel like with that show, you could kind of see the tricks a little bit. Sure, um, not to take anything away from it or like criticize Mad Men for that, but I feel like you could kind of see where they were kind of trying to cut some corners a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the crown, it's like, no, we're going to put them on a royal yacht in the English Channel <laughs> during a storm and film Jeez. it. Like, it's like, it's crazy what they, what they achieve. And like, they go to all these castles and they have like, I swear to God, the queen and her family and her husband and her kids are in a different, a different, like, high class, ridiculously expensive car every single episode. Wow. It's like a different Rolls Royce or a different Aston Martin or a different, and it's just like, man, where are they? They're just like spending so much money getting these vintage cars that are in perfect condition. Looked like they just rolled off the assembly line and it's not CGI. Like there's, there's CGI Mm -hmm. in the show, but just an incredible commitment to authenticity on the show that just, I'm really impressed by it. Nice. Um, you, you can't look away from the screen. It's all just a stunningly gorgeous show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just so incredible. It's so interesting. I, I had no idea how interesting the royal family was. <laughs> um, I, I was not, that was not a subject I was interested in. I'm kind of, I'm politically diametrically opposed to that kind of system. Mm-hmm. And so I've always found it kind of, the best word I can say is I, I find it very silly that that's sure. everyone takes that so seriously and it's like really they were just born and now they're your leader like I it just it bothers me but they're an incredibly interesting family interesting. and 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 their place in history is just endlessly fascinating um, mm-hmm. and and how they uh, their relationship to like British empiricism and how it's how how much the monarchy has changed throughout the 20th century is such a direct result of the you know the the Windsor family um it's it's just so fascinating and uh i i you have to watch this show it's just nice. so it's so fascinating I, I love history and so i'm a little biased in that respect but mm. uh i don't care you should like this show <laughs> it's it's that good i nice. i just absolutely adore it I've been is it is it twelve thirteen episodes a season? Uh, it's ten. Ten. Okay. Yeah. I've I don't know why, but I just have I've kind of been putting it off. Oh, I just remember something. Anyway, I'll talk about that later. Okay. Um. Uh. I've been kind of putting it off, but I'm I'm gonna definitely have to make time to to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um. If you liked the King's Speech, mm-hmm. imagine that twenty times. Okay. That's what the show is. It's nice. that. It's that good. Damn. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um. 
Cool. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, should, should, I get, should I get it? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so this is kind of my kind of my last one. I have one more that I'm going to talk very briefly about, but I, I definitely want to talk about this one in more detail. But um, I saw the post. Nice. And first of all, um, plot description, uh, a cover-up that spanned four U.S. presidents pushed the country's first female newspaper publisher and a hard-driving editor to join an unprecedented battle between the press and the government. Mm. Now, let me preface my thoughts on the post by saying that I don't know if I if I don't know if it's possible for me to have more admiration for a filmmaker than I do for Steven Spielberg. Nice. Um obviously his name is synonymous with film. He has he is he is an icon of of the medium. But the fact that the post exists is such a mark of his artistic leanings and the um uh the creative force of the medium okay um so i don't know if you're aware of this tiny but the post was basically as steven spielberg was working on ready player one he announced in march of 2017 they made the announcement that he was going to be making the post may 2017 began production december it's released jeez and it is incredible like wow i really really loved this movie nice um first of all the story just it's it deals with uh, the washington post and and the pentagon papers and 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 nixon and and there's a bunch of stuff there but what i love about it is that in the, why it's a mark of of such a it's such a great mark of artistic achievement is that it is a direct reflection of our political climate today. Yeah. That was going to say. Yeah. yeah. So there are so many parallels to be drawn between the events of the post and the Trump administration's adversarial relationship with the media. Mm -hmm. And what I absolutely adore about what Steven Spielberg did, I can't, I don't, I haven't read anything about what he set out to do or, or, or why, like what his, what his, um, frame of reference was or what his frame of mind was for it but it's pretty clear that he saw the state of the world he saw the state of the trump administration and the state of this this crazy fake news bullshit thing and was like i'm gonna make a movie that addresses this and also goes into detail about about a piece of history mm -hmm. and the fact that he did that within within one calendar year while working on a big budget ready player one adaptation yeah is worthy of so much admiration. Like I did not know that. Yeah, it is. It is mind blowing to me. And the post is a movie that what I, I what I'm kind of finding more as we live in this this world that we have in are living in now are occupying now is that I'm I'm trying to see these different connections here like what how is how is the world that we live in how is like the let's not you know mince words but how is the Trump administration affecting the way that art is created in Hollywood mm -hmm. and what kind of messages are being are being um conveyed in art in Hollywood and this is the post is a movie that is for as short of a time span as it as it's spent in production it has the makings of uh, just, I mean, it's 
I mean, it's Steven Spielberg doing a period movie. It's it's on point. Like everything is detailed and everything is really well done. Performances are amazing. It's Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep. Yeah. And plus a ton, like a whole ensemble of, of really good supporting supporting actors. Um. So. So, uh, but the, but the parallels again, the parallels to kind of the Trump administration, it's not like they're, they're not actually like, obviously it's set in the seventies. It's not like saying like, Oh, Hey, this is, this is what Trump's doing and everything. It's just like, it's a commentary on, uh, it is both informative of the pa- of, of the past and the story that it's telling, because I honestly, I didn't know much of anything about the Pentagon papers mm-hmm. or that whole, that whole story. Um, and it's informative of that while also giving you a lot to think about in terms of what our current like world situation is and what our current um administration is like and why it's why it's detrimental to us that we have an administration that is seeking to to silence or to or to uh under uh, to discredit the the press um because that's exactly what happened with with the Pentagon Papers and the Times and the Post and everything. That's a central part of this movie. And to see that and see the parallels so well drawn without detracting from the actual story and telling the narrative of what happened is an incredible achievement. And it's just it's really it's really incredible. I, I really loved this movie. I was very much taken with it um throughout the throughout the entire time. It was it was really great. And I I kind of adore the way that it ends. Um, I won't give it away or anything, but it's just um, like that final scene is just so great. Um, and like, I, I kind of got giddy with excitement cause I, I knew where it was leading. Um, and it's, it's just such a great movie. Like the um, writer, the guy who wrote the screenplay for it also wrote the screenplay for spotlight. And while I think spotlight is a much better movie than, than the post, um, I still think that the post is a very, very good um, newspaper drama. Okay. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah, and he also wrote another movie that I can't place. Um, as soon as I saw it, I thought of Spotlight. Oh yeah. I didn't actually till right now. I didn't even know it was a Spielberg movie. Oh really? I didn't even know that. Interesting. Yeah. I really wanted to see it. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's still playing in theaters now. Okay. Um. But yeah, oh, one of the co-writers. Uh, it was written by Liz Hanna and Josh Singer. Um, oh, and <laughs> Josh Singer was a writer on The West Wing. Nice. Yeah. Oh wow, and he's oh man, this is this has me excited. He is also oh that's what he also wrote. He also wrote The Fifth Estate. Oh okay. Um, so he's kind of made. I, I like that movie. Yeah, he's of kind of made a career of commentary on journalism. Commentary on journalism. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But he's also credited with writing the screenplay for First Man, which is... uh, Are you aware of what First Man is? No. Oh, man. It is a look at the life of the astronaut Neil Armstrong in the legendary space mission that led him to become the first man to walk on the moon on July 20th, 1969. Written by... um, What what was his name again? (laughs) Uh, Josh Josh Singer and directed by Damien Chazelle. I'm there. Yep. I'll watch that one. I'm super excited. Starring Ryan Gosling as Neil Armstrong, Pablo Schreiber as Jim Lovell. Perfect. Jason Clark as uh, Ed White. Okay. Kyle Chandler's in it. Wow. Corey Stahl, Lucas Haas. Yeah, I'm going to see that movie. Patrick Fugit. My God, this movie's going to be on my top ten list. (laughs) Nice. 
Oh, also Claire Foy. Oh, nice. Yep. And John Bernthal. Her Majesty. <laughs> um, uh, John Bernthal is royalty. Yeah. <laughs> um, would uh, would the post be in your top ten? Yes, but I don't know where. Yeah. Like, I think, honestly, and, and I think... what would you bump to put... Exactly. Yeah, and I, I know. kind of think... If we can manage it, because this June is going to be our fifth year anniversary podcasting. Wow, yeah. I kind of want us to revisit our top ten lists. Okay. For the last five years. <laughs> All right. And see where, 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 what would fare on it. Um, we'll talk about that closer to June. Okay. But yeah, anyway. So anyway, that's the post. I, I was floored by it. Um, there's a really incredible scene. I don't want to give that away. It's, that's a spoiler, but, um, just a, a really, really great movie. And there is something that is so romantic about scenes in movies and TV shows that depict an active newsroom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. like all the president's men season five of the wire, uh, the post spotlight, like those like settings that shows an active newsroom. Like, like I, like when I went to one year of college, I, I went with the intention of going for journalism and grant, mm-hmm. I didn't get as deep into that as, as you know, I would have liked cause I only went there for one year. But, um, but that, like, that's something that just speaks to me and oh my God, there's like, uh, scenes in the post that shows like, um, the printing press and mm-hmm. and print like just seeing the seeing the newspaper it's just it's a very it's a very beautiful and romanticized look at a, frankly a kind of dying industry right um but it's very it's very just beautiful the imagery of it yeah and what's amazing about that imagery is that in, in all those examples you listed those scenes and those moments are just dripping with integrity Yes. Meaning everyone is going, uh, risking life and limb and going above and beyond to not be wrong mm-hmm. and to not fuck up a story. Yep. But that that is completely contrary to what the public sentiment is at the moment. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's really yeah. important to point out and to romanticize, as, no, absolutely. as you just said. I, I agree with that. Oh, yeah. Because I... I understand some of the, a little bit of the fervor at the moment, but I, mm. I still very much am a champion of journalism and especially investigative oh, yeah. journalism. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Absolutely. You understand the, the fervor. Do you think that, do you think that the administration's right, that it is all fake news? No, okay. no, no. But I, I can understand that like there's the, 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 we don't have to get into this. We discussion. don't, but I understand yeah. there is the 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 art of journalism has changed a lot. Oh yes, um, yes. especially in the internet age, it's it's yeah. very different. Um, mm-hmm. But there's still there's still not no no smoking gun to make me right. mistrust the media in general. Right. So yeah, yeah. Anyways. After after I after I saw the movie, uh, I turned to my friend who I saw it with, and I was just like. You know, for a movie about the fake news, this was actually pretty good. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, for the record, fuck all that. It's, we're a movie and TV podcast. Let's go. Yeah, and yeah, like <laughs> Donald Trump never lies about anything. No, never. Um, um, he's in perfect physical health. Yeah, that, um, man. So, he, here's this. So, this this is just blowing me away because I was listening, I listened to NPR a lot, which mm-hmm. is a highly... Uh, integrity-filled uh, journalistic endeavor. I love mm-hmm. NPR. It's it's gets a lot of heat. I don't know why. Anyways, 
Donald Trump is six foot three, two hundred thirty nine pounds. Okay, mm-hmm. I am barely taller than him. I'm like three quarters of an inch taller than. I'm basically six four, mm-hmm. um, which that I didn't mean that to sound so pretentious. Um, <laughs> so I'm barely taller than that guy. He and I are pretty equally fat. I have seventy five pounds on him. See, no fucking way that guy weighs two hundred thirty nine pounds. Judge, he has he has a lot more of a gut than you do. I don't know. I think I'm, I'm pretty chubby. Yeah, but, but y- your frame, like you, you yeah. carry it well. Like he bulges out a little bit. If I were like three inches taller than him, okay. Yeah, I'm like three fifteen. Mm-hmm. That guy's two thirty. There's no way he's two hundred thirty nine yeah. pounds. And the fact that it's that's just barely under the threshold for obesity. Yeah, I'm like okay, sure. And that's just I, just, I do not buy that that guy weighs 239 mm-hmm. pounds. I'm uh, a, like being a wrestler for seven years. Mm-hmm. I'm a pretty good judge of what people weigh. Mm-hmm. Not again. I didn't mean that to sound so pretentious, but like I have experience yeah. sizing people up for their weight. Right. Like that was that's part of wrestling. Mm-hmm. That guy is not 239 pounds. There's no way he's at least 260, 270. Yeah, and it's so, which there's nothing wrong with being 260, 270 right, right, pounds. Yeah. It's just the fact that. Someone's someone's spending some bullshit here. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's him directly. I don't know if it's his press secretary. Mm-hmm. If it's the naval doctor who you know uh, uh, treated him and mm-hmm. or whatever. I, I don't know. But in the fact that this comes out, <laughs> that this happens after this book comes out, that reports that he like he spends his evenings eating cheeseburgers in bed, right, at six p.m. Yeah, watching TV, like. No. Right. No. Which I take that with a grain of salt. And like, I I, yeah. I honestly don't necessarily question the fact that he's in good health mm-hmm. because everybody's different. Everybody has weird metabolisms and the right. way their body processes that he could be in very good health. I have no yeah. idea. But, but he's, the numbers. Not, he's not 239 pounds. <laughs> yeah. He's not. James Gunn had a really great... First of all, James Gunn, I love... I absolutely love his the way that he is so open in social media. Like if you follow his Facebook page and stuff, he does like very like he does very uh, thorough. Like he posts a lot, and like he's very active in the comment section. He 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 doesn't have like anyone um, who runs his social media for him. It's all him. So he'll do like like Q and A's on Twitter and stuff. He's very active on. I respect the hell out of him for it. But okay, he, he posted something yesterday night last night saying. Uh, Trump's medical exam says he's 6'3 and 239 pounds. Technically, obesity would be 240 pounds and over. Albert Pujols, uh, the, the baseball player, is 6'3 and 240 pounds. If the dementia tests are equally accurate, we are doomed. <laughs> um, in all truth, he said, in all truth, and this is what I love about it. He said, in all truth, I will give $100,000 to Trump's favorite charity if he steps on an accurate scale with an impartial medical professional okayed by us both. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. And then he put hashtag girther (laughs) and hashtag girther movement. And then he put put a a picture of Albert Pujols next to uh, Donald Trump to give the full effect. Oh, my gosh. Like, the scary thing is, is that, and we... We don't need to harp on this that much, but the scary thing is, is that we're living in a world where the governing body of our country is lying to us yeah. repeatedly yeah. about several things and like stating that that they're like like they're not lies, they're alternative facts. Like it's yeah. it is so fucking bizarre and scary and oh. 
I don't. And he tweets in the middle of the night. Yes. Like he's just doing rails off the White House bathroom yeah. tile and just pulling up his phone and tweeting. That's what mm-hmm. that's what it feels like. It really does. And he's like really smart. Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> Remember he tweeted that? Yeah. Well, he's a yeah. stable genius. He's a stable genius. Um, I'm like really smart. Yeah. Anyways. God. Anyway. Um, Tangent. Yep. Yep. Um, night, night of tangents. Mm-hmm. Um, my last thing, really briefly, I watched uh, Legally. Uh, wow, I almost wow. said Legally Blonde. Wow, tiny. I've never seen that movie. Legally Blonde. Never seen it. Really. And I don't care to. Okay. Anyways, um, <laughs> Atomic Blonde. <laughs> Way different movie. Which I've heard really good things about Atomic Blonde. Okay, you will not hear more from me. <laughs> um, I I didn't really care for it very much. Um, right off the bat, I'll say that. The action was pretty awesome. Nice. Um, the the fighting in particular. Um, mm-hmm. Towards the end, there's this incredible scene that takes place in a stairway, slightly reminiscent of Daredevil. Okay. There's that episode where he has a fight with a bunch of dudes in a stairway. Mm-hmm. Very similar to that. Really awesome. Very very well done. Very cool. Nice. Um, Charlize Theron is a freaking badass. I, I've heard Without, that she actually did all of her own stunts. Yes, yeah, and that's that's incredible. She's awesome. Um, I still love James McAvoy, uh, despite this movie. But it's um, the the plot was a freaking mess. I, I'm not really sure what was going on in this movie. Really, there's like double agent, triple agent shit that doesn't make any damn sense. Um, the, there's a pretty big ripoff from Mission Impossible. Um, very contrived story. Everything about the story and the plot is very standard, standard, uh, crappy spy stuff. That's just not, not original, not interesting. Um, John le Carre probably saw it and was like, what? I mean, it's just, it's just not, I, I was just very disappointed. I was kind of ready for it to end. Um, after the, the big climax, I was like, okay, I, Paige watched it with me and she loves action movies mm-hmm. she actually she looks for action movies more than i do i mean nice i'm like let's watch like a drama she's like no <laughs> um and she she was not she was like i can't wait for this to end like she wow. kind of she almost wanted to like leave because i was like i didn't want to turn it off because I, I hate turning off movies but yeah um and i was like so i'm not gonna do that and she was like Ugh. and she just kind of powered through it and mm-hmm. was on her phone through most of it so yeah i just i did not understand where this movie was going the plot was so random and just it didn't seem to make a lot of sense i did not understand the motivations of james mcavoy's character whatsoever really i have no idea still don't really understand what was going on with him um it it was just a complete convoluted mess um as far as plot goes um but if you can if you can sit through that there's some pretty cool action nice nice, really cool fighting scenes um which that's that's enough for some people It, it just wasn't enough for me and this i i really didn't like it yeah that's which that's which sucks yeah that is a shame and uh i talked about all my rentals that i have currently going mm-hmm. like after i after i watch like get that get that number down a little bit that's gonna be my next thing that i rent since it's not available to stream anywhere okay um because i'm very curious about it i'm very curious what i'm gonna think about it because i've like i said i've heard really good things so yeah it'll be interesting to compare notes after i see it right somebody else may have had a completely different mm-hmm. interpretation of it than i did but sure. I, I didn't really care for it at all okay yeah um 
Okay, so I'll go ahead and round us out. We're almost done, Tiny. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I watched a movie called Dark Knight, um, <laughs> which is not the Dark Knight. Okay. It is a 2016 kind of in- indie movie. It's uh, I just deleted the plot description, but um, it's basically the lives of six six people intersect in the lead up to a mass shooting at a movie theater. Okay. So it is it's a fictionalized account and everything, um, but it is basically. Uh, um, okay, do you remember the movie Elephant by Gus Van Van Sant? Very well, yes. Okay. So that and that is an incredible movie. It's kind it of is. like Dark Knight is like the the movie theater mass shooting version of that movie. Okay, like the big budget version, sort of. No, 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 no. It is. Oh, I see the setting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, okay, so, I misunderstood you. So, Elephant. For those who don't know, it's Gus Van Sant made a movie in two thousand one, I think. Somewhere around there. Um, sometime after Columbine, that was essentially a slice of life movie that just followed a bunch of characters around in a high school on a day where there's a mass shooting yeah. that is patterned pretty similarly to the events of Columbine. Really powerful movie. Incredibly powerful. Yeah. And, and just really, really, really fantastic movie. I mm-hmm. like that movie has stuck with me for over a decade since I've seen it. Yeah. Dark Knight is the version of that. It's like they were going for that, but instead of Columbine, it was the Dark Knight Rises shooting. Mm-hmm. And none of it worked for me. Oh man. It was it is kind of a um a chore to get through. Okay. Um so it's about I the plot description says six characters but I can't I can't name any of them. I can't tell you anything about any of them. <laughs> okay. That's not true. I can tell you about a couple of them. One is like kind of image obsessed amateur model, I think. Okay. Um but there are very very long stretches of the movie where there's no dialogue or anything like that. It's it's all just like minutes, like 90 minutes or 90 seconds to 2 minutes worth of just just following someone around or like moving around the camera, not doing any audio, not doing any dialogue or anything. And it's supposed to convey a certain atmosphere or, or a certain type of um I get the sense that it's supposed to make you feel like uneasy and and nervous and 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 fearful and everything, but I d- I got none of that. Mm-hmm. Like I shit you not, one of the sequences that I'm referring to is a uh, someone going through Google Maps uh, oh, Street God. View. Like it is the actual like it's a video. Like it's it is us going through Google Maps Street View with a person and it's like hmm. it's supposed to be like oh they're planning the they're planning the the shooting and everything but it's like i it, it's out of context for everything like there's no context I for see. anything yeah and like there was a character like one of the first like characters is which is baffling that this is what i think that this is what opens the movie but there's a character that's being interviewed um by a documentarian about his i think he's an artist or something no fucking idea why he's being interviewed no idea why they made that one of the first shots of the movie because it makes you think oh is this a mockumentary format but it's not it's just that one that one storyline is this guy being interviewed for a documentary or being interviewed by someone no context whatsoever about that 
Um, just a really, really frustrating movie that really, really, I really had to work to keep, to hold my attention on it. And by the end of it, it just, it felt, it felt like it was just honestly a complete waste of time. Damn. And I, and I say that like, I, I, it's so rare that I would say that about a movie. Yeah. But the things that they were going for, I have no idea what they were going for, first of all. <laughs> and and where they went with them just did nothing for me. Mm. And the kind of final comment I'll make on that is that so Elephant is the antithesis of that. Like this Elephant is an is an incredible achievement and it's a really great really great movie that expresses itself in very um emotional ways in in a way that it it reels you into it and just just it's like heart poundingly like an incredible an incredible movie mm-hmm. and the great thing about that is it doesn't it's not like it's columbine the movie it's not like it's it's not it doesn't pay it doesn't one of the things that works so well about it is that it was made at a time where school shootings and mass shootings were I mean, really just as prevalent as, as today, really, but, mm-hmm. um, like they're in the news all the time. And it is this, it's this kind of like guerrilla filmmaking, like this could be you, this could be your loved ones in a, in a school thing. With Dark Knight, it's, they do, like, there's one scene that's so bizarre to me because they are showing some characters doing God knows what else <laughs> or what they're, what they're doing. Um, but on the TV, they're talking about James Holmes and the the Dark Knight Rises shooting, and it's like his trial. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? Like, why call attention to that in this movie? Like, yeah. what's why? Why are you doing this again? Too on the nose. Way too on the nose. And yeah. it's just, it just, it doesn't, it didn't work. And like, there's nothing at all to any of the characters, including the the gunman character. And it's just, there's nothing. It's. It's just a big pile of nothing. Um, wow. And just a waste of time. So I, yeah, that, I saw that on Netflix. It's not good. Don't watch it. It's, wow. yeah, it's, it's really, I was really disappointed. All right. Um, yep. Thanks for saving us from that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so, cause that, was, um, that sounds like something I would have been like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I, I kind of thought it would have been interesting too, but yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that'll do it for this episode of Obsessive Viewer yep. and Tiny. Um, I know we're running a little late here, but I was thinking next week, do you want to, okay, so do you want to do a Netflix picks episode? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> so I'll bring up my list. <laughs> and, uh, do you want to just like switch phones and pick one? Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. I'm really excited because we only did like one of those episodes last year and it was also in like January. Okay. So one of my other goals is to hopefully do more things like this. I was also thinking like we could do like Netflix picks or an Amazon Prime equivalent of it. Mm. And I, what I and do you know what I was thinking about calling it? What? Prime selections. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh there's my list. Okay, it's the very bottom one. Okay. And here's mine. I went to the liberty of going to the actual Myla, so it's like it's all in a big thing. Okay. All right, I have yours. Okay. Um, I might have yours. I might kind of want to go through mine and pick one for you, because <laughs> like I I was like cleaning up my list last night, 
And I was very oh interesting oh I didn't even see this okay cool I I got yours okay um but basically I was going through my list and I was like oh that'd be a good one for Tiny oh that would be a good one for Tiny <laughs> okay I didn't even realize this one was on Netflix but do you want to trade phone like go to the selection on it and then switch phones sure so that we can see it okay okay ready yep 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 okay oh nice. <laughs> Okay, gotcha. Nice. Okay, okay, so Tiny picked for me The Place Beyond the Pines. Yeah. Because he wants me to watch a two hour and a half, two and a half hour movie. I didn't know it was that long. <laughs> it is. Okay, sorry. Yeah. I haven't seen it like since it came out. Oh, no, so. it's fine. It's a movie that I need to see. Yeah. Yeah. And Tiny, what did I pick for you? Uh, they Call Us Monsters. Yes, which I'm very curious how you're, what you're going to think of that because I actually saw it at... Heartland, um, right? Heartland, yeah. Yeah. Um, a couple years ago, maybe? A couple years ago, which... I remember you talking about it. That's why I added it. Okay, nice. Because yeah. now that I said I might actually call an Audible if I can find a certain documentary on there. But I don't think it's on Netflix, so you might be in the clear. Yeah, it's not. Okay, that's fine. Okay. Yeah, they call us monsters. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's what we'll be reviewing. We'll, they're both available on Netflix. We're going to be... Uh, Tiny's going to give his thoughts on um, They Call Us Monsters. And I'm going to give my review of The Place Beyond the Pines by Derek uh, C. in France. Yes. Um, yep. So that's those are our, that's our homework for next week. Um, yeah. And once again, guys, if you want to support us, um, the easiest way to do that would be to, to go to iTunes and leave a rating and review. Um, we did get a winner for the, um, for the t-shirt contest. So Curtis, uh, if you're listening, your shirt is actually shipped today, so it should be on its way. Yay. And, uh, yeah. And then, yeah, we'll be back next week with our reviews for our Netflix picks and also go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer to become a patron where you can get access to a special, um, Patreon exclusive commentary tracks that I record in my downtime. So having said all that, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us 
at Obsessive Viewer, at Obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash the Obsessive Viewer, where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.